All right. Well, welcome to another episode of the Texas Tech Edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jackson Moody. And what a Saturday it was across the nation in college football. I mean, obviously, we're more focused on the insane game in Lubbock this weekend, but that game could have been a microcosm for what happened all across the country. Obviously, we'll start with Texas Tech and Houston. I got to say, I'm a lot happier doing this episode than I thought I was going to be when Houston kicked that field goal, when Donovan Smith threw that interception late in the game, when he threw that pick six, and when we had that fourth and 20, and when we gave up about 18 yards on that third and 20 in the first overtime. But somehow, Texas Tech pulled it out, and I got to say, this felt like a weird game for me. It felt like a weird game, because on one end, I was just sitting there thinking, man, we should be winning this game by 20 points. This should be a 20-point win for Texas Tech right here. Didn't work out that way. Donovan Smith and that offense really struggled in the second half. It looked like Smith was really getting into a groove over at the end of the first half. The defense was sensational all game. I said it last week, that that secondary was going to be a big, big question mark for me going forward because... They let up some big plays against Murray State. Well, all day long, the D-line, the linebackers, and the secondary did their job. They shut down a very athletic, very talented quarterback in Clayton Toome. They held their best receiver, Nathaniel Dell, to 120 yards. Wasn't great. 18 of those came on that third and 20, but it's what they needed. As long as they didn't let him go for 150 yards, they were going to be okay. Houston couldn't get the run game going. Uh, Texas Tech really couldn't get much of the run game going either. But end of the day, it's a win for Texas Tech, and what a win it was. There were times at this game I thought we were dead. I said it before. I felt like at points we should have won this game by 20. I also felt like at a lot of points we should have lost this game. But And we looked dead multiple times here. Uh, I kind of want to go through some stuff uh, kind of in chronological order of how this game played out, some key moments in it. Uh, So that's where I'll start here. And what better place to start than on that first drive? Um, We got down to the third and six. I actually thought Donovan Smith made a pretty good throw here. There wasn't much going. He was rolling out to the right. This offensive line struggled all day, but he got out to the right side, was rolling out in the right direction you want him going in. Uh, he had Jaram Bradley kind of in that far corner. He, he It looked to me like he put the ball where only his receiver could get it. The cornerback just made, made a great play on it, but I thought that was a really, really good throw by Donovan Smith there, even though it was just an incompletion. Then on the defensive side of the ball, uh, Merriweather made a good tackle from behind. We did bite on that screen on third and two. You know, it's something. I've, it, it's not something you can be too hard on the defense on. They just bit on a screen about two and a half minutes left in the first quarter. Ended up working out. Merriweather made the tackle from behind. Um, it looked like he may have started forcing that ball out. Then <laughs> Henry, a guy that we're all familiar with, did two years in Lubbock. Uh, it looked like he got the ball knocked out by his own offensive lineman there. Unfortunately, after that, we got the ball in good field position, which Houston got the ball in good field position seemingly all day. We had some real special teams issues. Um, Donovan Smith gets blindsided. Our left side of that offensive line really struggled um, all day. Uh, It wasn't pretty. I thought they were better in the second half than they were the first half, but that first half was pretty ugly from that 
from that offensive line. Um, luckily, Taj Brooks jumped on that one and didn't do us any damage or us. Houston would have got the ball about the 45, 40-yard line again. Then, obviously, Houston's first drive started from the 18-yard line after a punt return again. Special teams was a problem all day. They returned one punt, but it was called back, fortunately. But uh, the defense did a really good job to just hold them to three there. Um, I, I thought, I mean, really, the defense allowed seven points in this in 60 minutes. I mean, it, you can't, obviously, you can't knock them for that pick six. Um, you can't really knock them for that last field goal they got because Donovan Smith threw a bad interception and was returned back to about the 25. They had the field goal there, and they did a good job. Get three and out, give the Donovan Smith the chance to redeem himself, which he definitely did. Um, but and that, that first field goal, I mean, you're starting at the 18, and they held them to just three points. That's everything you want from the defense. They were stout today. We're on Saturday, sorry. And then our first touchdown today, what can you say about Nehemiah Martinez breaking two tackles on the way in? I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, he was listed uh, week three behind Miles Price in the same position in the slot. I'd be a little surprised if he doesn't move over to the other slot position so that he can get Miles Price and Martinez on the field at the same time. Then that second touchdown, I mean, I, I think that was a really good play designed by Kitley. It looked like there was a bit of a rub um, off the line and Miles Price just got a free run, caught the ball about 10 yards past the line of scrimmage, took it 54 yards for the touchdown. Uh, Miles Price was a little quiet today. Uh, I'm kind of surprised they haven't schemed him in a bit more, but they definitely did there, and he made it well worth our while there. Obviously, we allowed a Houston touchdown uh, in the third quarter, but going to the fourth quarter because that's really when the action picked up. I mean, the defensive line got to Clayton Toon, forced the overthrow there for that interception with about 12.30 to go, gave the offense great field position, and then it was completely thrown off. I, I mean, Donovan Smith, uh, he won us this game. He he showed a lot. He's he's straight up, he's a winner. Uh, I thought his arm talent was really good. I'll talk about that pass to Duran Bradley at the end that was dropped. But he made a crucial crucial error on that pick six i mean he stared down miles price um i i I don't think this is completely on donovan smith donovan smith put them in a bad position miles price he was so covered he stopped his route which man you just can't stop your route in that position i i don't think we'll see that again i guarantee you that that's something that will be pointed out on film but uh, that throw was so bad by Smith that oh, really the decision was so bad by Smith that two corner or two defenders jumped that route. <laughs> it could have been a pick six for either of two Houston players there. And it looked like we started to get the momentum back on the next drive in a tied game. Um, J.J. Sparkman made a great catch uh, on the boundaries. Uh, it was a good throw by Donovan Smith on fourth and three as well. Unfortunately... After that, though, we just really started to go backwards. There was a really bad decision by Donovan Smith to not be able to get that ball to his receiver, uh, intentional grounding instead of throwing it five yards further at his feet. It was thrown well behind him. I think it was a legitimate call. There are some complaints that he, he had a man in the area. I just don't think he got it close enough that that's a valid complaint. And then I – now – on that third and 23, Donovan Smith, I know there's some criticism. He underthrew that ball. The safety was covering over the top. It looked like the corner 
was further uh, deep than Jerram Bradley was. I think he placed that ball ex- almost exactly where he needed to. It may have been underthrown by a foot, maybe two feet at most. If if it's if that ball is a foot further, I think Jerram Bradley makes that grab, and that that honestly is a grab Jerram Bradley needs to make either way. Fortunately, it worked out there. Jerram Bradley was able to redeem himself in that overtime on that fourth and twenty. But I I know there's some criticism. Some people thought that Donovan Smith maybe underthrew it. I don't think so. I think he put that ball exactly where it had to be. He put it in the front left corner of the end zone underneath both the corner and the safety, gave Jerram Bradley a chance to make a play. Unfortunately, he just didn't. And after that, of course, we missed the field goal. We get the ball back with that inside our own 10. Um, I thought our play calling was a bit too aggressive there. I think we should have ran it a couple times with Taj Brooks, made sure worst-case scenario we're going to overtime here, get a first down, maybe two first downs. Taj Brooks, he has the capability to break a run. If he gets you out to the 30, 35-yard line, you're talking about, okay, now we're in at least overtime as long as Donovan Smith doesn't throw a pick. Instead, I thought Zach Kittley went way too aggressively on that drive. I, I think Zach Kittley, he's a great offense coordinator. I think I think that last drive, or next to last drive, we just went way too aggressively. Donovan Smith chunking up a pass under pressure. Um, I, that's a bad decision. He was just hoping that somebody was there to make a play. I get the urge to throw it deep. Um, I, you know, it's almost the same as a punt, but in that situation, you just gotta, you gotta eat it. You can throw it deep when you're on their 40, you're at midfield because the return's not coming back as far, but in this situation, Houston got that, got a 25 yard, 25 plus yard return off of it and put them in instantly in field goal range. At that point, people were leaving the stadium. It seemed like the game was over. Um, but I, I think Dan. <laughs> Dana Holgrimson, God bless him, he mismanaged his he mismanaged that last drive. He was thrown for it, thought, okay, we need at least one first down to win it. Thank goodness we had those timeouts. They definitely came in handy there. And I may be wrong here, but on the exact number, but Donovan Smith, that next possession, starts it off with that 27-yard run, gets us to midfield. That was a great run. Definitely not designed. He was flushed out of the pocket, stepped up. If he had more time, um, it, it sounded like on uh, the Texas Tech radio broadcast that they, they were saying, I listened to a clip later, they were saying that he had a man wide open and it could have been a touchdown and we could have walked it off right there. But he gets out of the pocket, doesn't have the time to sit in the pocket and throw, gets out, makes a great run. And now a little controversy here. He was definitely hit by somebody on the Houston bench. I You, you can watch it over and over again. You can clearly see the guy on the Houston bench throws his arm out. It was like he was giving him an elbow. And the the story behind him, I'm not going to say his name. He he was a wide receiver on his on their team last year. Uh, got dropped from his NFL team. Uh, so you know, I guess a little karma there. But hey, he and then the weird thing is, Donovan Smith says something to him, and he starts jawing at him. It's like no. Like, dude, you just hit a quarterback as he ran out of bounds, and you're not even a player on this team. You're you're a cut NFL player. You're not even an NFL player. You got cut. Then right after that, Donovan Smith responds with two opposite half throws to get us in the field goal range, one to Fungi, one to Jerram Bradley. I mean, 
those were insane throws. When you're thinking about it, those were probably 30, 35-yard throws thrown on a dime right towards the out-of-bounds line so they can get out, stop the clock. Those were perfect throws by Donovan Smith. The only criticism I have, I was a little surprised we didn't try to at least run the ball with Taj Brooks. We just went and uh, got it to where Trey Wolf would like it in the middle of the field. And credit to Trey Wolf. I mean, after missing that kick earlier, he's in a kicking battle. He he was the most accurate kicker in Tech history for a while in 2019, his freshman year. Got the yips in 2020. Lost a job to Garibay. Wasn't taking it back from him. And I, I think... That 47-yard field goal, that was a career long for, for him. I think that's been a bit glossed over uh, because of how insane that 4th and 20 play was. Uh, Donovan Smith scoring the game winner. But that was a sensation. That was a gutsy kick. Um, after you've already missed one, uh, you're, it's your career long. You had the yips the last couple of years. You're battling for your position that you lost two years ago. And I, I think going forward, that should be Trey Wolf's job. I don't think any more splitting it. Uh, Garcia, he may have a better, longer leg, but if he can knock down a 47-yard field goal with the game on the line just to keep it alive, I, I want that to be Trey Wolf's job from now on. Now, in the first overtime, it felt like we almost, almost had this game won when they were moving backwards. It was second 21 from the 36. Outside field goal range, it seemed like all Houston could really do there was try to pick up 5, 10, 15 yards in two plays and get themselves in field goal range. So we just need a touchdown to win. Unfortunately, the only complaint I have from the defense all day was that last play. It looked like Dell did a shift where he went to the outside and nobody came with him. I mean, Dell was uncovered. You can't allow that with Dell. They throw a short pass to him. He gets out, gets 17 yards. Houston goes on to score a touchdown that drive. And at that point, it just looked like it was bad news for Texas Tech from there. Um, first down, we have that bad, uh, I think a bad play call where we call it the quarterback draw. Um, taken down about five yards behind the line. We have a penalty. Fourth and 20. And one key moment on this. Um, this was kind of weird to me. If you watch the play over, it looks like number nine on Houston is playing a QB spy. I assume from the first couple times I watched the play, it was probably that he was playing middle zone. But Jerram Bradley kind of crosses him. Donovan Smith escapes the pocket. It looks like he was playing a QB spy there. I may be wrong. It may have been that he was playing the middle zone and he was their low guy. But instead of going with Jerram Bradley on a fourth and 20, he, he goes after Donovan Smith Jerram Bradley's wide open, has plenty of room to get the first down, does. Then from there, you just give the ball to Taj Brooks, and he takes care of it, and somehow we're out of that first overtime. And then I hate to bring it up, but in that third and goal in the second overtime, I got flashbacks to 2015 against TCU when we knocked that ball up, and they caught it at the back of the end zone when that ball was in the air. I think it was the rabbit with the deflection. Thankfully, um, it, it looked like it was more likely to be picked off. But when that ball went out in the air after what happened against TCU in 2015, I was just thankful to see it was incomplete, uh, honestly. Then after that, Donovan Smith uh, <laughs> seals the game in the second overtime. Pressure coming, steps back, gets up in the pocket, sees room, runs it in. 
He's named Offensive Player of the Week in the Big 12. I can guarantee you there wasn't many Texas Tech fans who could have thought that was possible with a minute left in the fourth quarter. I think there were a lot of Texas Tech fans uh, not not calling for his job but wondering if maybe we should start Baron Borden. Uh, he responded in a big way. He did the same thing against Iowa State. He did the same thing where he came back from not a great first half against Mississippi State in the bowl game, led us back in the second half. That was a huge win for Texas Tech. I mean, that the thing was with this non-con when you're playing Houston and NC State, you had to split one of those two. It's been pretty. It's been, I believe, a decade since we went five and four or better in the Big Twelve or had a winning record in the Big Twelve. You got to get to at least two and one in the non-con. And all of a sudden, this NC State game, it's not a game to keep our season alive, keep our bowl hopes uh, firmly alive. It's it's kind of a game to get us ranked. It is a game to get us ranked. We're already receiving votes. They're a top 15 team. We're going on the road. And it's a game to make a statement. It's uh, more of a game to enjoy now than a game to sweat. Um uh, on that one, I think their defensive front is good. I don't think they're as good as Houston. But uh, I, I saw the spread for the NC State game opened at an NC State minus 10.5. I got to say, I'm taking that one. Donovan Smith is 3-1 and one against the spread when he's at least a one-touchdown underdog, and he's 2-2 two and two overall. Um, I think that 10.5, I've already placed my money on that. I think if that blinks at 11, 11.5, you, I'm going to throw more down on it, but um, I feel really good that we're going to keep this game within 10 points. I think the bigger question is, I think it is more likely that we win this game in Raleigh, North Carolina, than that we don't cover the 10 and a half. I think this team's going to keep it close. They're going to keep it competitive. Um, is there some concern of a letdown? Possibly. I think one, unfortunately thing for texas tech is that it's not in a good position for us they just beat up on an fcs school this past week and they have uconn next week um after that they have clemson in week one they had eastern carolina if we were playing them in either week two or week four i'd feel more confident about this that they may overlook us that it may be a letdown game for them after the east carolina game but still, I think this is a winnable game. I think NC State does win this game, but it's it's going to be a close one. I think we're going to be in it to the end. I think it's definitely a very winnable game. I think a big question is how does our offensive line play? Um, is Taj Brooks and Sir Roderick Thompson both on? Uh, Sir Roderick Thompson struggled on Saturday, um, but that was against just an insane Houston front. If Taj Brooks and Sir Roderick Thompson are both playing well, I, I think that I think this becomes at least a toss-up game if Donovan Smith is playing well too, like he did it um, on those two touchdown drives in the first half um, and what he did after he threw that last pick. I think that Texas Tech wins this game. It's going to kind of depend on whether we can get both running backs going and if if Donovan Smith, is it the first half Mississippi State Donovan Smith? Is it the Iowa State Donovan Smith? Or is it the Oklahoma State Donovan Smith first half Mississippi State Donovan Smith? But anyways, again, defense felt great about them. Um, Donovan Smith, he was a mixed bag, but the guy's a winner. Um, and you know what? It, he's a young guy. He's still a sophomore. It's still this was his fifth start ever. 
Um, so, you know, he's going to have some bad moments. He's going to have some good moments. And the fact that he can come up back from his bad moments and redeem himself with what he did in the last 30 seconds, 40 seconds of the fourth quarter, and then in overtime, I think we're in great shape going forward. Um, that's that's enough on the Houston game. That's enough on previewing the NC State game. I want to get to some picks around the Big 12 here. So I've already given my prediction. I think we cover on NC State. I think it's actually we're about we're a little over plus 300 to beat them. I think it's worth sprinkling something on. Um, so not many great games around the Big 12. Uh, Baylor's 31-point favorites to Texas State. I think Baylor kind of has a comeback game. I think Blake Shapin's going to throw a lot more than he did against BYU. I think they want to get him back into a rhythm after that one uh, before they go into conference play. Iowa State minus 21 at, uh, hosting Ohio. I actually think Ohio covers this one. I don't think Iowa State is going to lose it. I just think they may have a bit of a letdown after that Cyhawk game. Uh, that's an emotional win. Tulane at Kansas State minus 16.5 for Kansas State. I think Kansas State covers this one. I think this is going to be a 20, 21 point win. Um, Kansas State, they're a team built to play with the lead. And they just absolutely demolished Missouri on Saturday. Is it maybe a letdown? I don't really think so. I think they're just going to run the ball nonstop. Houston's only minus nine hosting Kansas. I like Houston cover this one. Uh, I think Kansas is a much improved team. I think they're going to score a lot. Uh, but I think they haven't. The strength of this team is their running backs, and they haven't. They're haven't played a defensive line or front seven as good as Houston's is. Um, I think Houston's going to shut them down a bit. I think Clayton Toon's going to feast on that Kansas defense that's still pretty weak. I think Toon's a better quarterback than JT Daniels is, and JT Daniels was able to put up a ton of points. I don't see why Houston's not going to be against this team. Um, UTSA at Texas. Texas is minus 13.5 at this one. Now, there's some interesting news trickling out of Austin. Uh, I'm going to condition this one. If Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers both can't go, and it seems like Quinn Ewers definitely can't go, Hudson Card, it's starting to seem like he can't go, then I'm taking UTSA to cover. But if Hudson Card's able to go, I think that Texas covers at 13.5. That's going to be more of a game day pick uh, for me. That's really all there is around the Big 12. There's no line on Arkansas Pine Bluff at Oklahoma State. There's no line at Townsend at West Virginia. Now, I will go ahead and point this out. Uh, This is a non-Big 12 uh, pick I'm going to give you here. Uh, This is one I saw today. I really like this one a lot. Uh, Nevada is getting 23.5 at Iowa. Now, Nevada did just lose to Incarnate Ward 55-41, but they beat New Mexico State 23-12 in, the first, in week zero. Week one, they beat Texas State 38-14. If Nevada scores seven points, Iowa has to score 31 to cover this. Iowa has scored 14 points in 120 minutes of football. Petrus has, I believe, a QB rating of about 4.3. I may be slightly off there, but I do know his QBR is under 5. Um, he's named as a starter on the Iowa depth chart right now uh, that they released for week 3. Now, 
Can things change there? Of course. But Petrus is starting. Nevada plus 23.5 is a gift. I'm not saying I expect Nevada to be a good team at all. They're, they're not a good team. But Iowa is one of the worst offenses I have ever seen in my life. They're an extremely basic offense, even if they run it down their throats. If Nevada scores two touchdowns, I mean, that 23.5, that's already covered. That's already covered. Even if they, if Nevada can score two touchdowns, that's a guarantee cover. I don't even know if Nevada's going to need a score at all. I don't know if Iowa can get to 24 points total. I think that would be the lock of the week around the country. I think the lock of the week in the Big 12, however, is going to be Texas Tech covering that 10.5. And I have a good feeling about this game. I'm not stressed over it after this Houston one. Um, this is going to be a good test for us before conference play. Obviously, after that, we host Texas. We go to Manhattan to play a really good Kansas State team, although I think that could end up being a really good matchup for us because they're not a team that's meant to come from behind. Uh, we have a really good front seven. I think that could be a matchup where we, we kind of catch Kansas State off guard there a bit, especially if we get an early lead. I think it's going to be tough for them to come back. And that game at Stillwater... Um, last decade and a half, we haven't been great, but the last half decade, we haven't been awful, uh, in Stillwater. So I think that, I think it's looking good for Texas Tech. If we can get to that bye week, at least three and three, we're in great shape to make a bowl game. After that, we have West Virginia, TCU, Kansas, um, in our next, among our next four and a home game against Baylor. Um, before we close it out, uh, at Iowa State and home against OU, which I think we could also pick off one of those two games. I think that, you know, there's definitely a chance that we get to four and two before the bye, especially if we could pick up a win either at NC State or home against Texas. Um, but man, that was a huge win. That That's a season, season turning around win. Um, and I can't wait for Houston to join the Big 12 because... I think we've now won 10 of our last 11 against them, so it's been pretty good for us. Um, but anyway, that's going to be it. I'll be back here um, next Tuesday, hopefully coming at you, at, talking about how we're 3-0 and and previewing conference play a bit more. Um, I'll probably give my picks on who I think is going to actually win the Big 12 and what Texas Tech could do to possibly get to Arlington. Uh, but hope y'all hope you all enjoyed it. Um, I'll talk to you next week. Uh, this was another edition of the Texas Tech edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network.